Doing That, a podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. I'm Elliot Gerard. We Need to Be Doing That is a Heartland Group production. Come on. We need to be doing that. Well, it's always a great day when we have a professional athlete joining the podcast. And uh, today we have Cheyenne D'Arcangelo on the podcast and super excited to bring you on. I first have to ask, now you have a gold medal and you've worked with Elliot Gerard. If you had to put those two things up against each other, what means more to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know. That's a tough one. Oh, um, my God. I haven't known Elliot for that long. So I'll <laughs> <laughs> you out of that and say the gold medal <laughs> means a lot more. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. No, uh, it, it's great to have you on. And and I think what's interesting about the, the uh, PHF and what they've done as a women's hockey league has really engaged an audience. You know, the fans are really into the athletes, the teams, and the sport in general. Um, I know it, it, it should have happened a lot sooner as far as the Women's Hockey League, but how do you feel as far as where women's hockey is and where it's progressed? Obviously, it's been huge overseas and in, in the Olympics, but now that it's stateside and, and uh, so many fans are really into the sport and where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Even since graduating for me back in 2015 to now, like out of university, the sport's grown tremendously from the NWHL to now the PHF, um, playing in different leagues and where it's at now. And I think you kind of set it where just the fan engagement and kind of the different style we've tried to put on it and different like owners and the commissioner change and different things of kind of looking at it differently and um, you know, showing individual players stories and things like that, I think adds like another side to it that's different from like the men's games or, you know, things like that, unique ways there. Or even for example, last year when we played in the bubble, like who would have ever thought that we would have had um, purple ice for our neutral zone? And awesome. I think on Twitch, um, I remember hearing like people go off about that, like in a good way stuff with the Zamboni, like just funny things that I wouldn't really think of off the bat. But I feel like we've done a good job kind of riding with that and being different in different ways. You know, I got so excited about uh, my joke to, to lead off the podcast. I, I totally jumped over your position as a forward and playing for the Toronto <laughs> Six as part of the Premier Hockey Federation. So I apologize for that, but I wanted to get to your accolades. Um, yeah, usually I'm terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> now, was hockey always part of your life? Is it Was this the goal to, to play professionally and, and to make it a career? Yeah, hockey's definitely always been a part of my life. I think I started skating, geez, when I was around six. Um, actually, it's kind of funny. I had two of my cousins um, that were older than me. They played hockey, and we used to go to their games. Um, and I guess I kind of just said, hey, mom and dad, I want to put on skates, and I want to do that. So, you know, they put me in skates and started playing, and I played boys hockey to start. Um, I didn't really honestly know too much about the girls side of things or like what that would look like. Um, when I was, I want to say around like 13, um, somebody actually had reached out to me about like, Hey, you know, shy should start going to like the development camps for USA hockey and different things like that. Cause we were new in the space. Like my parents, my dad actually coached the first girls team in our town, um, to, to, to kind of get things started. And that's where I got 
like I guess you could say recruited to like one of the triple A teams in Michigan being honey baked and little Caesars, stuff like that. Um, but from there, I remember getting a book, I think it was in Christmas from uh, Angela Ruggiero, her story, and kind of reading that and aspiring to, you know, wear the USA jersey one day and represent the country and play in the Olympics. So yeah, college and going, I guess, get on scholarship to play hockey was always definitely a goal, those things. To be honest, I never really thought about playing professionally because it just wasn't a thing, which is crazy to think, right? And I mean, when I graduated, um, there was the CWHL, and that's what most girls did if you were in the national program. Um, but there was rumors that started spreading like a month before graduation that there was going to be this professional league that was going to pop up. So a few of us who were graduate graduating the same class decided to go to one of like the open tryout things that they had. And that year, the league ended up running and I played for the Connecticut Whale. So it's kind of crazy how everything came around. Yeah, you you were my question was going to be, and you, you basically just teed it right up is I was equating it kind of like the, to the WNBA. There was not an outlook for women playing basketball. You'd go overseas. And my question was going to be, what was the outlook for you prior to PHF and WHL? So the, the outlook was really playing overseas um, until the league started. Is that what most people were doing? To be honest, I would have played um, for Boston in the, Canadian Women's Hockey League. So not necessarily overseas, but in Canada at the time, because that's, that's just what you did. Most of the Canadian girls, you know, the league was in Canada and we had the one Boston team. So if you were carded by USA Hockey under the Olympic Committee, that's just what you did. Because to train with Mike Boyle at the time and stay within the girls and be able to go to like the post-grad camps and stuff. That's what I was going to do. But then this league popped up. USA Hockey, like all the girls ended up playing on different teams. You know, and we all played in the league. So I kind of lucked out, to be honest, because prior to that, it would be the team in Boston with a lot of rock stars on the team. And then obviously the Canadian counterparts are like on the Canadian teams and it was a good league, but there was a lot of people in one area, mm. if you can imagine. Well, you're you're pretty much a rock star yourself, so I'm sure you would have done uh, great. <laughs> but, um, so you you did play overseas though too, and I know that you have some interesting stories about playing in China, right? Is that uh, I'd love to hear a little bit of that as well. Yeah, so that would have been so I was basically with the national team up until I got cut for the 2018 Winter Olympics, and at that time there were a few of us actually in the national program. Um, who got cut and I got a text from Kelly Stack saying, Hey, there's this opportunity with Digit Murphy over in China to make some good money and play hockey and help their like national team. Uh, honestly, it was the weirdest thing text I ever received. Cause I'm like, what China? Like, you know, and my initial thoughts. And I was like, okay. I said, yeah, I'm like, send me the contract or the, you know, the agreement and see what it's all about. So I looked at it and like, I was like, okay, this seems fake with the amount of money that they're going to pay us to go over there. Just there obviously hadn't been a lot of money in women's hockey unless you're, you know, like I said, with the national team, you'd get paid stipends and things like that. And I just, we kind of were like, you know what, what's the worst that happens? You go over there and it doesn't work out. You end up just flying home. So I was like, yeah, I honestly didn't even think twice about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm in for it. Um, 
that was an experience and a half, but honestly, it's one of the best things I've done. Best experiences, hockey, life, just crazy. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. We traveling there was just nuts. You cross like what, two or three different borders getting there. Um, we show up in China, you know, we, our home rink is like a basketball stadium that they now want to turn into an ice rink and flip flop it. And China pretty much goes all out. Like we were funded by a billionaire over there. So even from where we lived in our apartments, it was a mile away to the uh, rink we played at. There would be posters on the streets of like us or team names, like nothing that we'd experienced before, even on our national teams. Right. So we get there though, and they don't know how to make ice or like have an ice rink. Like they've never done this before. We're in Shenzhen, China, which is um, pretty South and warm, humid, very humid. Um, so anyways, we're trying to tell them they, they're trying to bring in ice people to like understand this. And we're like, Hey, you, you need humidifiers. Like this ice is worse than pond hockey. Like it's unsafe to skate on. So like the next day we show up at the rink and they literally have like the small individual humidifiers. <laughs> we're like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. So we end up flying to Beijing for like two weeks because at this point we got to get on the ice with our team there. And the ice there isn't a thing. So they just, next day, we're on a flight. We're going to Beijing to practice there for two weeks before we come back to North America. Um, so that's just one. So that, as you can imagine, things kind of just, from there, was a learning experience on both ends and kind of adapting as we went. That's so cool. It's 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 so interesting to, to hear. I mean, I feel like um, we've, we've talked to some other uh, athletes that, that have played abroad and um, uh, Luke Bonner recently and, and he talks about how it was such a learning experience for him um, and, and just, just like, you know, shock. So uh, it, it's great to hear that story. And it's great that it's such a great experience for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it made a difference, too. So there were two teams, um, the Vonke Rays, and then we were like the Kunlun Red Star that I played on. So of the teams, like half were each North Americans, pretty much. Um, and then obviously the Chinese national players. So I think, you know, it was, you're thrown into their culture. Some speak good e English, some speak very broken English. So like it's navigating that as well. You have coaches who are, you know, same thing. We have our North American coaches, some from Europe coming in. So people from all over the place with different backgrounds and things like that. But I think that helped in a way too, because, you know, when you roomed with somebody, you could be with a North American too, just to feel a little bit like, you're still at home, you know, in that comfort, but then yet you're kind of intermingling with obviously the Chinese because everybody's a team too. And it doesn't matter if no one can speak the language when you're on a team with somebody like there is that bond, right. And you kind of figure that out quickly. And then there ends up being jokes going back and forth and like, it's fun, honestly. Um, but yeah, it was really cool and just totally different. Like I've been to Europe and played hockey there with the national teams, had, euros on our teams and school and stuff but then to go over to china and work with those players just so different like so different even in their training and what they think um i, re I remember being like we buddied up with one of them to try to like mentor them in a sense right and like some of the girls didn't even drink water throughout the day <laughs> they would just drink like green tea because that's just what they did 
or like just things that you're like, what? And you're going to skate and lift and then skate again. Or like, you know, just so different and, and that kind of thing. But, <laughs> um, what, what, uh, what about the Olympics? I mean, we'd love to hear some of your, uh, what was like the most meaningful moment? I mean, I'm sure it was winning, but, um, you know, is there any specific story you'd like to tell about that? So that would have been in 2016 in Kamloops. I mean, um, for the world championship, um, honestly, anytime like playing in four nations, I played U18 world championship. Also, we won gold in Sweden. Um, and then I'd gone to two, um, four nation cups and then another world championship in 2016. And, Anytime you get to wear a USA jersey, I mean, there's nothing like it, honestly. Um, I just, there's like another feeling, obviously, getting to represent your country and play at the highest level or what was the highest level at the time, right? Like now having this league and having somewhere else to play definitely changes the narrative a little bit. Um, but like I said, that was always my goal um, to be able to wear that jersey. So, you know, you just, don't, you never take it for granted because there's new coaches, new teammates. Every time it's a different, different people coming in and out of the organization, new teams being picked, um, lots of different factors. So any chance you get when you're in it, you got to do your best. And that's kind of what you've worked for. So it's worth it. Do you remember like specific plays that are like that, that stick in your head? Um, like, I mean, I feel like for fans, we're always like, Oh, that play, you know, like that, that, that defines our fanhood. You know what I mean? Like, like I have, uh, I don't know, certain um, memories of the 99 Knicks, for instance, but like to, uh, un unfortunately, uh, not many memories since, but, um, but like, yeah, are there moments that you, that you think about, you know, that, that on the court, that a play that you made or, or whatever that, that just comes to you? Um, yeah, to be honest, most things like, yeah, there's definitely things that you think about or when I'm on podcasts like this or talking to people about it, different things kind of pop in your head, right. That you don't think about on a daily basis, but most things that it's not individual plays or individual accolades or things that you accomplish a lot of times, like the things that you remember for a lifetime, I would say is the teammates you make and the, the, you know, the, the friends you make throughout it, coaches, the championships you win. Those are the moments that you, you just take with you. Right. And no team's ever the same, no matter what, even playing for like the Toronto six last year to this year, or playing on the national team one year to the next year. Like it's a new group, even if one person's different. So like those moments of winning, those you, no one can take those from you. And I, I'd say those are definitely the things that you remember. Like even winning the Isabel Cup for the Buffalo Buttes. Like um, at that time, I mean, there was a few of us on the national team on the Buttes, but we were definitely the underdogs um, playing against Boston. And no one would have thought we were going to win that game, right? But we all were like, hey one game like in women's hockey right now that's how it is and anyone can take it and so just different things from that or afterwards that you again hold on to I would say are there things that stand out in terms of the evolution of hockey to where we are now that you've seen the growth of the game yeah I mean definitely um gosh I I have such a I want to say like unique perspective just because I did have the opportunity to play in the national team um, not work and play hockey full time, then go to mm -hmm. China and do that full time. Um, at when I first played my first year of professional hockey, I remember having girls who at the time, like I'm what, 22, 23. 
and they're 30, maybe a little bit older, have full-time jobs, come into practice. And I was like, you're crazy. Like I can remember people that we would make jokes at, like, how do you do this? Like I get to train, you know, like, I don't know how you do it. And now fast forward, like I, I also work full-time, play full-time, train full-time. And I'm like, wow, I never thought, but until you have to do it and you still get to play hockey and do what you love, you, you figure it out. So it's evolved and I'm definitely part of that, you know, pushing it even forward so that the next generation doesn't have to do what I'm doing. But I also wouldn't take it back if that makes sense. Like I've got to see so many different steps of the game and we've seen a lot of growth here in the last couple of years, even the NWHL going to the PHF and the name change and things like that. Like throughout it, yeah, there was ups and downs, but I mean, now look at how big it, it's getting and gaining more traction and like salary caps increasing and things like that. It's becoming more of a reality to have some players making a more livable wage and not having to, you know, work if they weren't on a national team or anything else either, because that's such a small fraction of people that get to make those two rosters. Um, And if you're not doing that, you're supplementing your income, doing something else right with it usually. What, what do you feel about the um, the league uh, uh, being the first league to not have a W in it? Maybe this sounds bad, but I haven't thought too much into that, to be honest. I feel like, I don't know, the league name at first changing, I was like, oh, this is different. But we are different with the league. We want it to be different than, you know, our male counterparts because it's just the reality we're at different stages of growth, you know, as a business model and things like that. And I think it kind of puts a little flair on it to Premier Hockey Federation. Like it's almost sounds like a Euro League or something different too, which, you know, you're always going to have negative people at first because people liked how NWHL like kind of comes off your tongue nicely, but it might also be just because we're used to it, you know? So I don't know. I think it's good. I think it came at the right time for change within the business model of the league and kind of where we're going to shake things up a little bit. Where do you see yourself post-playing days? I I don't want to force you into retirement here, but I'm always (laughs) interested in athletes, especially now the modern athlete, you know, as far as, you know, business opportunities, uh, maybe is it, is it working in the front office or being an owner? I mean, because you have an interesting role with this league and your previous history, you know, playing on, um, the national team that you could be part of growing this even further, right? Because of that perspective and seeing where it can go, grow and being part of maybe an ownership group or taking it to that next level. Is, is that something that's crossed your mind? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I think about. I think I'll always want to be involved in the game and stay um, within it and help it grow. I mean, it's given me so much like in life and just lots of different things. It's giving me opportunities and things like that. So I want to be able to obviously do that for the next generation. And yeah, I mean, as much as I think I would like coaching and stuff like that, I think I would want to be in a ownership kind of role or something bigger in a way if I can, because to be honest, those are the people who are making the biggest impacts um, on what's being done and things like that. So yeah, that's definitely something that crosses my mind you know, I still want to play a couple more years if possible, but, um, I, I definitely want to stay involved and, um, you know, help. I, you can't really get out of sports. I feel like once you're in it, like I'm, co- I'm a competitive person and it's, it's fun. It's something I'm passionate about. So 
it's, it's definitely something I want to stay involved in. So yeah. we're yeah, we wanna... marketing and, and definitely not athletes and, and we don't want to get out of it. So I, you know, I can imagine yeah. actually being good <laughs> at it and, and wanting to stay in. <laughs> we want to get a uh, PHF expansion team. We've been talking to them about how do we get involved there? So if, um, oh, there you if go. <laughs> we can we can get a logo spun up, I think the Dark Heartlands would be a hell of a name, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll get right on it. All right, I'll come just because the logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we already have that worked out. We don't yeah. have anything else worked out of how, how do you actually build a team and, and own one? <laughs> we have well, no players. Looks great. Well, we don't do the marketing, but beyond that, um, <laughs> what do you enjoy off the ice? What is you know your personal interest? Yeah, I mean, oh geez, it's like with work and everything. I'm so busy. I feel like I don't have a ton of time during season to you know do different things that I enjoy. But in the off season, I mean, honestly, anything like active, whether that's um, I grew up on a lake around water, things like that. So grew up water skiing, wakeboarding, tubing, all that kind of stuff. Um, snowboarding, obviously, that's a winter sport. Can't really do that as much, but definitely like to get outside and do things road biking um actually kind of random but signed up for a half half marathon this summer just for the heck of it with um, my sister so like to be around family and friends and you know try to enjoy the things that you can't do because as much as hockey's given me at the same time there's a lot of things you miss out to reach your goals and do different things and obviously it's all worth it but when you do have the downtime to kind of do things with friends and family it's worth taking advantage of and decompressing and you know it's not always good to always be on the go so are there things for me to balance but you gotta have that part are there limitations in terms of like what you can do off the off the ice in terms of like i don't know being on a motorcycle or something like that like the 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 risk of of, uh, getting injured for the team yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different for our league, but when I was carded with like the national team and stuff, that definitely is in the fine print doing things. But um, we'll just leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to do anything stupid. Like, I wouldn't, I'm also not going to, you can't live life, you know, being like, oh, I'm going to get hurt, so this, or I don't like to look at it that way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I might not go try something brand new that, I've never done or decide to go skydiving just for the heck of it right in the middle or before playoffs or something like, but I'm going to ask the uh, stereotypical question. You ask a hockey player, what's your favorite hockey movie? Because there's so many great sports hockey movies. Like uh, it's just a a great genre. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and and dive into that and ask you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I'm pretty basic with this one. I would have to say Miracle. Yeah. Okay. That's like, a, that's a great one. Yeah, that can. That's a classic. But there are a lot of good ones. Um, sports well, movies we'll, in we'll general. I'll make the Cheyenne Dark Dark Angelo uh, story uh, uh, a movie, and that'll that'll be uh, people's favorites in, in a few years. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's just always it blows my mind that uh, a team was actually named after a movie. I mean, it's just it is a pretty wild thing that the Mighty Ducks were <laughs> created after the movie. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And that's a classic too, because growing up, I probably watched that like hundreds of times as well. Like that's another good one. Different vibes though, but like that's a classic. Nothing beats that. 
beyond the fantastic logo that Heartland Group created. <laughs> what are what are what are your thoughts going into that? And I know the league is um, it's free tickets. They want to grow the game. They want people to come out. Last I saw, there was five hundred or six hundred tickets already, you know, snatched up. So, what what's your where's your mind heading into that weekend? Yeah, you know, we still have a few games leading up to that, so definitely don't want to look past that. But super excited to go to Florida. I think them even changing location to something like that is pretty pretty neat and cool with the awesome logo that you guys designed. Um, but it's cool, different structure. Like I think the you know we'll be down there from like Thursday to hopefully Wednesday. Um, but it's it's going to be a battle. Like just that the playoff structure is you know one game anybody can win. So I think it's just building up and to that point and staying focused because there are going to be distractions. Obviously it's going to be a new place for everybody playing at. And we are in Florida. It's going to be a lot warmer than where we're at now. Um, But we're all excited. I mean, I think it's a great place to be able to showcase our sport and have a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they, they, they know what kind of humidifiers you need for the ice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Hopefully they already figured that out. (laughs) the lightning down there. So, <laughs> well, um, finally, where uh, where can people out there, fans and uh, listeners to this podcast, follow you on social? Yeah, Shy Dark is my handle on Instagram, Twitter, uh, not on TikTok, unfortunately, but follow the Toronto Six. We have one there too. See so kind of inside looks on us. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information. 